Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation, Draft Day Edition. Can't believe it's already here, and uh, the preparations for the 2016 season are officially on. So uh, get excited. It's time for the Steelers to bring in seven, at least seven new guys. You never know what they're going to do on draft day, but at least seven new guys into the club. And uh, welcome, joining us on our, on our club, so to speak, is Scott Allen once again to give us his mock draft predictions. And, uh, again, this is our final installment of the Pittsburgh Steelers 2016 mock draft debate. So Scott's going to give you his seven picks. I'll give you my seven picks. We'll discuss those picks a little bit, and then we'll discuss a couple other things of note recently. Uh, we'll talk about some other uh, hot-button topics, uh, you know, one of them being the Tom Brady situation and, and, you know, whether or not the Steelers really should feel cheated out of another Super Bowl title that they could have won over the last two decades. Um, we'll also discuss some position battles that we think will be pretty intriguing going into training camp and a couple other things Steeler-related, so... First of all, Scott, how are you doing, buddy? And uh, who do you got the Steelers drafted uh, this weekend? Well, I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me again on the podcast. And I'm ready for this draft just like everybody else. So let's get on with our last mock before the draft. Um, in previous drafts, uh, mock drafts, I went with William Jackson and Ashawn Robinson. I really think uh, William Jackson is the guy if he's there. I don't think he's going to be there. So I'm looking at the other corner that they were looking at, um, Eli Apple, and I just don't see where he is the same caliber as William Jackson when it comes to a first-round quarterback talent. So uh, if you look at Ohio State, Joey Bosa, Adolphus Washington, Aaron Lee, they put pressure on the quarterback. They help the secondary get those picks and get those, you know, coverage sacks. So, with my uh, first pick in the uh, third mock draft that we're doing here, I'm going with a defensive tackle because I want I want the defensive line to help cause some havoc to make our secondary look better. I'm going with Vernon Butler out of Louisiana Tech, 6'3", 316 pounds. He has strong hands. He can take on the double team, which is what we need out of our nose tackle, and he can bull rush with consistent effort. So with the first pick of this third mock draft, I'm going with Vernon Butler, defensive tackle. Uh, with my second pick in the second round, I'm, I'm looking at the secondary. I'm not going to forget about the secondary. This is a secondary heavy draft in the first four rounds. Um, previous ones, we took Vaughn Bell and Artie Burns. I don't think either one of those guys are going to be there. So I'm looking at Justin Simmons out of Boston College, 6'2", 202 pounds, he can play safety. He's played a corner. He's a, he's a tall guy. He can cover. He's a leader in the locker room, and he has the desire to be great. He had five picks last year. Um, I think that'll help us uh, solidify us in our secondary. And in the third round, previous picks, you know, we looked at the defensive line. You know, had Tyler Irvin last time as a running back, kick returner. This time we're going with Ryan Smith, cornerback out of North Carolina Central. Yeah, it's an FCS school, but uh, if you watch this guy's highlights and watch this guy play, he's 5'11", 189 pounds. 
He can be a kickoff returner. He set the uh, team record uh, with 168 solo tackles, and he runs a 4-4-7. Um, you know, this is a guy that can come in and probably compete, um, you know, in the secondary, which we obviously need help. So that's my third-round pick for this last mock draft. Uh, going into the fourth round, I kind of ignored it in previous mocks till later, but I'm going with the uh, offensive tackle here, Gerald Hawkins out of LSU. He's 6'6", 305. Gives us offensive line depth on the left or the right side. Uh, he needs to work on his uh, feet, but he held his own against Deshaun Robinson when they uh, played Alabama this year. So that's that's going to give us our offensive line depth during this draft. You know, previous picks, you know, we went with safety. We went with uh, some corners, just addressed those in rounds two or three. So moving on to the sixth round, I'm I'm intrigued by this player. I'm not sure if uh, how he's going to turn out, but I'm looking at Keenan Reynolds, quarterback who's going to make the transition to running back from uh, Navy. He's five nine one ninety. Um, he could he could replace D'Angelo next year if he makes that transition. Obviously, he'd be a slash player, maybe some you know some trick plays, some splash plays there on offense that he could bring, be a possible punt returner. Uh, he does need to work on his uh, protecting the ball. Uh, that's the one downfall of him. Uh, previous drafts, we had Cody Kessler going here and uh, Corey Tindall, corner out of uh, Marshall. So moving on to the seventh round, I'm addressing that secondary still kind of going with some special teams players, some big hitters here also. Uh, Deion Bush, safety, out of Miami. Um, he's, again, he's a big hitter. He can be a gunner on special teams. And, you know, the guy just, if you watch his highlights, he hits. And he keeps hitting. He, he's not afraid to hit, whether it's a running back. It doesn't matter who it is. And he makes big plays. He has interceptions returns and everything else this is what we're looking for somebody to get on the uh, special teams and possibly push for a starting position and then my last pick in the uh, seventh round is Karen Smith to the linebacker out of Florida State 6'5 235 um, again we're adding depth on the special teams we're adding depth to the linebacking core um, this is somebody who's got some speed for a linebacker. You know, he's more of the Ryan Shazier built than he is the Lawrence Timmons built. But um, I think it's some depth that we need on special teams and and at linebacker. So those are my picks for the final mock draft of the uh, 2016 NFL draft. That's a good mock draft. I like it. I like it. And there's no holes. And I really think that. I mean, you, you opted to not go with quarterback, but you went with linebacker, and I did the exact opposite in my mock draft, but I think it's, as everyone knows, the Steelers love drafting receivers, and they love drafting linebackers, and uh, I think you're right, Scott. I, I do think that's the one thing my mock draft's missing. I um, I don't have them drafting a, a linebacker in mind, but, but I do think they are going to nab someone late, 
I love I love what you wrote what you said about Bush. Uh, I actually have them going to a corner in the seventh round as well. But let's get to my other picks first. I got William Jackson first. I'm not being original. I've already said that before in previous mock drafts. I just have a feeling they're going to go corner early. Um, I think they, you know, this this draft especially, um, this fits all the Steelers' needs. I mean, this is a defensive heavy draft. Steelers want to go defensive heavy, specifically D-tackle and corner and safety. Um, so I think the Steelers want to address the secondary first and then have faith that there's going to be a defensive tackle later. So I've got Jackson going one. Two, I've got three options, Darian Thompson, Jeremy Cash, or Carl Joseph. My gut's telling me it's going to be Jeremy Cash. Like you said, Scott, about Bush, Steelers like their physical safeties that can make plays. Um, you know, Joseph is good, but he's more of an athletic type. Uh, Cash is just a big physical guy. Obviously, no one's Troy Palomalu, but when I watch Cash's highlights, you get the Palomalu feel out of him. Big, can play the run. So I've got the Steelers taking Cash second. Third round, I think the Steelers are going to address D-tackle. It just depends on who's available. Um, Hargrave is a guy that, that they could get um, from South Carolina State. He's, he's had a lot of hub about him. The Steelers went down to his pro day and worked him out individually. But for whatever reason, I've got, I've got Hassan Ridgeway. You know, I remember Casey Hampton was drafted out of Texas back in 2001, and maybe the Steelers will, will find another Longhorn to try to replace him. Um, the, the only knock on Ridgeway, which is good or bad, take it as you want, it's nothing technical. They just think uh, in his CBS bio he needs to take better care of himself. So you think you got Mike Tomlin there to motivate him and, and you know, Cameron Haywood and Stephon Tewitt. And Stephon Tewitt's motor, people said that there were some issues with him potentially, mo- you know, being motivated at the next level and with his weight and whatnot. But you saw the difference between two at year one, year two. I think if everything else is there in terms of tangibles, we can get those intangibles up too. But the fourth pick, I've got us addressing our linemen. Because, again, I think the Steelers want to bring in an offensive guard. I don't think the depth is really really there at offensive guard. I really like the guy, the kid uh, Waterman out of uh, Arizona State. But if they don't get him, I think he's going to go earlier, second or third round. So if they wait till the fourth, I'm going Graham Glasgow out of Michigan. Again, just like Ridgeway, has all the tangibles. The intangibles was uh, Glasgow had a DUI uh, during his time in Michigan. So it's maturity issues that that's kind of the label on him. But this guy is like six foot six. Uh, the Steelers love their tall linemen, DeCastro, Villanueva. So uh, I think they could add Glasgow to the mix in the fourth round. Fifth round, I have us addressing our receiver needs and our kickoff return needs. You know, Kevin Colbert loves to draft his receivers around the fourth or fifth round few years ago, this is where he, he nabbed Martavis Bryant, who, before his suspension, I mean, geez, you look at what Bryant does when he's on the field, that was definitely a steal, and still could be a steal. The kid's still young and hopefully comes back strong next year. So I've got us going Bowling Green, wide receiver Roger Lewis. If you haven't heard about him, you're not alone, but Lewis, look him up. He's got really good statistics. Uh, you know, from reading about him, looks like a character kid. Uh, and you know what? The Steelers have success drafting Mac players. They really do. Antonio Brown, uh, Central Michigan, was the Mac's best wide receiver uh, back in 2009 coming into the Steelers in 2010. Ben Roethlisberger comes out of Miami. So, Steelers had a lot of success drafting players from the Mac. Roger Lewis is the Mac's best player coming out, I think. And I think the Steelers will take a shot at him. Six-round pick. I got the Steelers going with Anthony Zadell, defensive end uh, for Penn State. I think the Steelers want to 
add depth to the defensive end position. Uh, they don't have a lot after Haywood and to it. So I think the Steelers definitely want to add some bodies there. So, and remember last year, Tuit got hurt, and uh, the Steelers needed to address that. And, it, and they weren't the same without Tuit. They, they just really weren't. So we'll bring in Zidell. I like I like his, his presence. I've seen him play a few times on TV. I like what he could bring to the table. Seventh, uh, seventh round pick, first pick, Clemson strong safety J. Ron Kerr. So me and Scott are on the same page with the safety. I just picked a different one. The Steelers like drafting Clemson players, and they spent a lot of time in, in Clemson's pro day. Clemson's pro day was early this offseason, but the Steelers went down there. Um, like I said, they, they brought in Martavis Bryant again coming out of Clemson. Um, it seems like Colbert has a connection with Clemson and Ohio State players, so I've got them going. J. Ron Curse out of Clemson in the seventh. And then my final pick for the Steelers is quarterback. I've done this before. I'm doing it again. I'm going Cody Kessler. Um he was the first quarterback the Steelers met with. He has all the intangibles. One thing Kevin Colbert really looks at um, with quarterbacks is touchdown passes. He's got plenty of them at USC. Colbert likes for quarterbacks that can get the ball in the end zone. Doesn't really look a lot on completion percentage because a lot of that is depending on the receivers you're playing with and, and whatnot. But the touchdown passes, hey, can you get the ball in the end zone? Can you, uh, you know, move the ball in the red zone? So I think we're going to go Kessler there. So that's my draft pick. And, Scott, one thing when I'm kind of digesting everything, none of us picked an Ohio State player. Both of us having Ohio State ties and, both, and, Ohio, and the Steelers' uh, um, tendency to draft Ohio State players, that kind of surprised me. What Ohio State player would you like the Steelers to pick if you had your choice? Well, like I was saying for the first mock draft, for me it would be it would be Vaughn Bell. Um I just think to have him as starting safety next to Mitchell, uh, he makes he makes those flash plays that we're lacking in the secondary. I mean, he's fun to watch. He can, he can cover. He can move around. He's a hard hitter. Uh, he's got the emotional. You know, he, he brings emotion to the game. He's everything that you you enjoy about football when you watch him. Um, like I said, there's other players. You, you don't see that from that you hear the Steelers talking about. And uh, Von Bell is definitely would be an emotional guy, a leader, I believe. And, you know, that's who I would like to see, the, see them get. Now, if they're talking about moving back in the draft, you know, there's talk of Denver trading up to 25 and, and them going back to 31. Maybe that is an option there. I think if, if that's the case, then I think the Steelers, Kevin Colbert, I think that they've got their eye on somebody in that, you know, that later, uh, what, seven picks later that they think they right. can still get. But that would be my guy if, if, if I was to pick one Ohio State player for sure. Yeah, for need, I, I, I'm with you. I like Von Bell. In terms of just pure who I like, I love uh, Darren Lee. I love the Steelers to get him. There's no way on earth he's going to be around when the Steelers are on the board. And the Steelers aren't going to draft a linebacker that high. That's That's just how it is because they've done it three, what, three years in a row. So, you know, but, but the thing I like about Lee is he can do everything. He can guard receivers. He can he can tackle at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can pursue angles. He's quick. Again, though, the only thing, and this is going to be his, I'm surprised that this has been his knock core. Just like Shazier, it's the weight thing. You know, is he going to be able to, you know, withstand, That's you know, that's a physical position. Is he going to be able to, with his lighter body, 
be able to handle that week in and week out. That's one thing I think Shazier is is learning. But uh, he had to struggle with it, and obviously he's missed you know quite a few games over his career. Over I think eleven games Shazier's missed over the last two years. But those are the two players, um, you know, that I've kind of looked at. So now, who do you who do you want the Steelers to pick? Uh, I know that's kind of a loaded question. Um, just in general, you know, I, I think for me. I would like to see them take Carl Joseph because, you know, I've heard so much about him. Obviously, there's there's a West Virginia presence there in, in terms of, uh, you know, Steeler fans. And they keep, you know, when I when I look at the message boards on, on the Facebook page of Steelers on 24-7 Sports, people are raving about Carl Joseph. And, and when you look at his stats, the guy had five interceptions in four games last year. So the dude can, can definitely uh, produce statistics. Uh, so that's kind of the guy that I I want to I like because I like to see what he can do if he's really that good. Um, who would you like to see the Steelers pick? You're talking in the first round, correct? Yes, first. Ah, uh, you know what? In okay. general, cause I I think if if the Steelers get Joseph, it's going to be in the second round if he falls that deep. I'm just talking about in general, like all seven rounds. Who would you? Who is there a player out there that you're like, man? Everyone would just like to see the Steelers get this guy just to see what happens. I, I really want to see him get William Jackson. I, I really do. And, you know, again, back to the point, there's other mocks that show Eli Apple going there. Again, I can name you, you know, three or four players that are going to get drafted in the first couple rounds that were on that defensive line or linebacker board. You can't name anybody from Houston, you know, as a guy just can cover and, and, and he's got the tenacity, he's got the speed, he's got the will to be, a, a, I believe, a great quarterback. And when's the last time we've had a great quarterback? So, you know, we're still trying to replace Ike Taylor. I mean, so, and, you know, Ike's last couple of years weren't, weren't all that. So if, if they get William Jackson as their first pick, I would be very, very happy with that. And then the rest of the draft would be kind of like, icing on the cake from there because that that's going to fill a major, major need for us to push the rest of the corners that are already on the roster. So for me, the highlights I've seen, the things I've seen out of William Jackson, that, that's who I would like to see them get. I like it, you know, and, and I think they're going to go with Jackson. I, You know, ESPN, uh, Jerry Fowler came out and said that he thinks he was going to take him. Obviously, who knows? I mean, he might be selected earlier. I will say this, though. I, I think the Steelers are going in thinking cornerback. But if Jackson's off the board, then then it kind of creates something interesting because I don't know if the Steelers are, are that high on Eli Apple. And at that point, do you change your draft game plan and say, okay, well, if Jackson's gone and we're not that sure on Eli, then do we go with Billings, who I know a lot of Steelers fans – uh, have heard that the Steelers might take, and Joe Green loved him and all that. Do you go with Billings, and then that, that kind of reshapes your draft? Because my thinking is this. I would love for the Steelers to get a, a big cornerback that can compete, but the thing is, you know, there actually might be um, a log jam, and actually I, I do think we have a call, so we're going to try to try to get them in right now. Hello, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? Not bad. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Can you hear me okay? I I can. I can. What do you have for us today? And happy draft day. Yo, 
Happy craft day, man. I'm glad it's finally here for our Steelers. So here's a scenario I wanted to just get your thoughts on. Okay, so let's just say the four corners are off the board, right? Um, right. I don't know if Bur- I don't know if Burns is really worth that 25th pick. So if the four corners are gone, and let's say Joseph is there. But no, well, let's say Joseph is gone, the safety. I, I would definitely be okay with taking him. If you're looking mm-hmm. at now defensive line or top edge guys, if you're at the 3-4 spot with those, do the Steelers actually go bold? And if he's available, do they draft Paxton Lynch as the heir apparent and let him sit for a few years because he's a raw talent and get him ready for when Ben goes? What do you think? That's a great question. Because I thought you were going to talk, ask us what defensive tackle we were going to get, so I was actually looking up my defensive tackle stat. Well, Billy's going to be there, but I don't know. What do you think? That's a great, that's a great question, and, and my – Here's my thing, and here's my thinking with that. I can't. I, I'll. I'll. I'll go bold and say yes because, you know what? In those situations, as everyone knows, I mean, how many years do we wait between uh, Bradshaw and Roethlisberger? Two full decades. I mean, Bradshaw's last year was oh three or eighty three, and Ben came in in oh four. We we had no quarterbacks. I mean, it's safe to say that we didn't win Super Bowls in the nineties because we didn't have that caliber of quarterback. No, no knock Cordell right. or whatnot, or whoever. You know O'Donnell and all those guys, but I would say yes, just from the standpoint that that if the and if the Steelers like what they see on tape, I like what I what I've seen from Lynch. The Steelers have said they want to go cornerback. They're not looking uh, to draft his heir apparent this year. I think they want to. I mean, you know that too. I'm sure you're you're a knowledgeable Steelers fan and you just kept up with with what's going on. But right. I would say they would just from the standpoint that the Steelers always go best player available first draft. You know, first round they always do. It's the best player that they've – I mean, like every team does, the Steelers grade, you know, all the best players in, in the first round. Even guys, they don't think they're going to have a shot at taking, nor do they want to take. I mean, they have Ezekiel Elliott graded. So if anything weird happened and he falls to 25, then they make a decision. You know, back in 2003 right. when they when – they, I mean, they had Paul Malu graded top five. And when they saw that after the first ten picks he was still there – that's when they said, okay, well, we need, we need to get this guy. Because for right. that, they, their draws dropped when he was moved past the 10th pick. So it depends on how high they have Lynch graded. But in my opinion, and it, given the fact that, you know, looking across the division and seeing what A.J. McCarron does for Cincinnati when <clears throat> Dalton's not there, my answer is, is yes. Scott, what's your two cents on that? Yeah, I would I would only see that happening if just they were to trade that twenty fifth pick and have more picks moving back into the second round and maybe okay. Lynch being there. But I think I think, you know, Colbert said this is a defensive draft for them and then we have so many holes in that secondary, we need depth at the line. Um I don't see them doing that. I think we have another year to to get somebody that could be Ben's, you know, heir apparent two, three years from now, uh, granted, yes, we do need better backup play from Landry Jones or Gretkowski, whoever's going to be there. I mean, there's a couple free agents out there. I, I know the names aren't big names, but I, I look at somebody like C.J. Yates, he's a free agent. And the guy doesn't make any noise, but when he comes in for Houston and 
they need him for a couple games, he wins those games. And that's what you need. You just need somebody when Ben can't go those one or two games to come in and win you two games. You know, they don't have to be pretty, but they have to, you know, you got to get the win so you can get that home field advantage in that first round bye. And that's what we lacked last year. So I don't know if bringing a rookie in to just throw him, you know, in that situation. But the way Ben plays, you know, more than likely for him to play 16 games, it hasn't happened, you know, in recent memory. He's always been out a few games. So I would say they could probably wait till next year. But unless they move back and get more picks and to where they're still going to be able to get all the defensive players, I would say they're probably not going to take a quarterback. And that's my opinion. But from what I've seen or heard, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But we'll find out tonight, I guess, the next few days. Yeah, guys, I mean, it's great analysis. I I mean, I'm looking at hopefully Apple or Jackson. I think those are good picks out of the big four. When I say big four, I mean corners. Um, if, but if they're gone and Joseph is still there, and they, or he's not there, rather, I mean, Billings is like a nice player at tackle, but like you said, um, the front office would be emphasized, you know, the, the nose tackle because of sub-package football. So do you want that guy at number one? Is, will there be an edge rusher worthy of 25? So if not, I could see that trading back, but you would have to give serious consideration if Lynch did drop the best player available if they had him for a high grade. So it makes a lot of sense. Right. And the other, the other thing, too, that I was, I was thinking is, you know, and who knows? I don't – and this is – every this situation is different. I personally think that, that Ben's got three years left at, at this level, May, maybe four, but when you look at all this, the signings that Steelers are doing – they're all like three-year deals. William Gay, three-year deals. Robert Golden, a three-year deal. Uh, Ramon Foster, a three-year deal. So I think the Steelers, with the team that they have constructed now, the way they're built now, I think there's a three-year window. Now, obviously, you know, I think Hayward and Tuit and a lot of these guys will be here beyond the three-year window. But I feel like the, the way this team is constructed right now, I think they feel like before they kind of go through another transitional period – They've got three more years to win championships with the group as it's assembled now. And when you look at everybody's age on the team with, with Bell and, and Brown, everybody right now is pretty much in their prime now and in the next couple of years. The thing with Lynch is if we draft a guy now, you're going to ask him if all accordingly planned goes, goes as we, we hope and Ben plays three more years or whatnot, you're going to ask a guy that wants, probably wants to play as eagerly as Ben did back in 04 to sit and wait three or four years. That would be like drafting Ben in 04 and him not walking onto the field in 2008. And you remember all the growth that Ben went through from 04 to 08. Is it necessarily fair? I know Aaron Rodgers has done well, but that's asking a guy to sit and wait three or four years. I know, honestly, I think that's the only thing that's holding Colbert back from, from doing that if that opportunity presented itself is thinking, geez, that's gonna, we're asking a kid to – because New England did that with the uh, Arkansas guy, uh, what, five or six years ago. His name escapes me now. Right. He's still kind of bouncing around the yeah, – yeah, he's still bouncing around the league. Because after a while, I got, kids get stir-crazy, and they go, man, you know, I've been sitting here holding a clipboard for one year or two years. I mean, Steve Young did that way back in the 1980s. So, And then you never know. That could cause a controversy. Let's say Ben you know, keeps getting injured, and I know that's kind of ludicrous to say. But, heck, if Paul Molly would have come back and struggled, he would have gotten booed. That's just the nature of, 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 of sports. You know, even right. the great ones get booed if they're not producing. So, for all those 
existential reasons, I'm thinking no, but but I like what you said about Billings, and, and my whole thing with defensive tackle is go big, go home. How many dominant defensive tackles have we gotten uh, late in the draft? I mean, I know I know Keys will end up being a, a very very nice player, but you look at all the all the very good defensive tackles we've had, like borderline Pro Bowl guys. Hayward was a a you know first round, second round. You know, he's a, he was an early round pick. Spontu was a second round pick a couple years ago. So I really think with defensive tackles. Just get you know, get a big name. That's always been my thing with them. I mean, you can find good cornerbacks anywhere. I really believe that. I mean, you look at Deshae Townsend back in 1998. was never a pro bowler, but the guy played for 14 seasons, you know. So it's one of those things where I think, I think this draft, if we don't go cornerback early, I like William Jackson like, like you do, uh, there's guys everywhere. You look, you look anywhere in this draft where the Steelers are drafting, there's a cornerback within within range uh, of where they're picking. To me, the biggest thing is going to be looking at if we. And I don't think we're going to go safety first round. Is sitting back and seeing who lasts between 25 and 58, assuming the Steelers don't do anything. What safeties survive those 33 picks? Is Darian Thompson still there? Is Jeremy Cash still there? Is Carl Joseph still there? I would argue because of Joseph's injury, he will be. I think he actually will be there because. You know, that's a big injury. And if you already have, you know, a torn ACL on your record going into the regular season, I think he's going to overcome that. And people have proven. I mean, heck, Rod Woodson, I mean, at 31 years old, came back and played eight more seasons after tearing uh, his knee up. So you never know. But but that's, to me, the biggest thing to to sit and watch is what happens between the Steelers' first and second pick and what safety is there at number 58. Wow, great. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of options there. Um, I mean, they might surprise us, but I'm hoping one of the big four is still on the board and they can just safely go go with one of those corners. That's what, that's what we're hoping, too. And, and we didn't get your name, sir. What, what's your name, by the way, and where are you calling from? Oh, I'm Bryce, calling from Brooklyn. Awesome, awesome, Bryce. Hey, we're sorry there's no NBA teams for you to watch out there. You know, we knew the Nets were good for a year or two, and we know the Knicks are trying. So, uh, But we're glad that the Steelers are giving you something to be interested in, and, and uh, we hope you enjoy the draft tonight. Well, you know what, real quick, before I get off the phone, it's funny you would say that because I've been a lifelong Steeler fan, and so, you know, we're used to winning. But I can actually understand what the Browns go through because I've been a lifelong, not, well, since the early 90s, Knicks fan. <laughs> and we are the Browns of the NBA. Oh, you know what? I would I would go ahead and say that's 100% true. From the Ewing botched layup against uh, the, the Pacers, what, 20-odd years ago, to the, the yeah. 99 finals when you ran into the Spurs without Patrick Ewing. I John think you're right. starts going you know, two for 18. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't forget that. I'm not even a Knicks fan. I know that, but. You know, yeah, but you know what? I would give Phil Jackson a, a little bit more time. You know, I'd give him a little bit more time. I, I think, you know, just you know, just like, you know, Chuck Noll, you know, you just you need, you know, I think Jackson's like Noel in the sense that Noel believes in what he believes in, and, he, you know, when you, when you take over a team where there's – I mean, Chuck Noll, when he took over the Stewart of 69, he told them, hey, you know what, most of you guys won't be here. We're going to win the Super Bowl, but most of you guys won't be around for it. And sure enough, there were five guys from Noel's first team to be on his first Super Bowl team five years later. Five guys survived that first team. So 
who knows? But, but Bryce, hey, thanks again for the call, and, and we hope you enjoyed the, the draft tonight, and we hope that one of your big four is there for the taking in the first round. Yeah, thanks, guys. Enjoy the draft tonight. Hey, thanks again, sir. So that was Bryce calling us from Brooklyn, So, and thanks again uh, for Bryce. Scott, we've got about 12 minutes left on our show. Um, so let's, let's discuss a few other things. Let's Let's go – so let's say the Steelers get Jackson uh, in the first round. And we'll try to get to the Tom Brady thing if, if we can, but I'd like to kind of still kind of stay on the draft here. And thanks again, Bryce, for the call. Um, so let's say we go Jackson. What does that do for our depth chart? Like, do you, do you see potentially a first-round pick this year starting? You got Sinquez Golston starting, and you got William Gay in the background. Well, it's going to be Gay and Golston starting to start the year, and then just depending on how our first-round pick goes, we keep transitioning him in, and maybe by the end of the season he starts. But either way, if we have one more cornerback to add to this mix, I love I love what the Steelers have set up because now, you know, you have Cockrell is not going to start, but you signed him to, a, I think, what, a three-year deal. So, you know, and, and, but that's great because you need cornerbacks that don't start that you still trust. So I love the fact that that four to one, we've got Cockrell at four, and I think William Gay is going to start the year as a starter just because again of his veteran savvy. But I think by the end of the year he's going to bump back to our three cornerback. And you know I have still not seen Sinquez Golston play, but from what the Steelers are, are saying and what I've been reading, they're very high on him and they're very encouraged by what they've seen this off season. So Scott, how do you see the whole secondary thing shake up? Assuming we're going to take a cornerback that could potentially start uh, later on in the season. Well, I think that just keeps the other two corners, you know, I don't want to say looking over their shoulder, but looking over their shoulder that, hey, they took this guy first round. We know they want him to start. So if we want to keep our job, we better do the job. So like you said, we haven't seen Golson even play. You know, all we've heard is talk and, until we see him play, you know, we don't know what we have with him. And, you know, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to be able to stay on the field. So, you know, and William Gay, Cockrell, I mean, Cockrell came in and was serviceable, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, you know, all pro corner. I mean, if we're drafting, getting Jackson or, or even Apple, if that's what, what they go with, I think those guys are going to be looking over their shoulder and working harder and harder and harder when you're, 30th in the league in pass, and, you know, you were part of that reason why that they were 30th. I mean, Cockrell and Gay were both, you know, started at cornerback last year. You know, you can – you don't have much room to say, well, why is this guy going to get reps over me if that continues to happen in the first – you know, even in the preseason, if you see when you have all your starters in there, we're giving up big plays in the secondary. So, I think that just – that just pushes everybody forward. And, you know, let's just hope everybody stays healthy through training camp so we can actually see the competition if they were to go with the corner in that first round. I think that that pushes everybody forward to take that step to know that there's somebody behind them, you know, that the Steelers thought highly enough to use a first-round pick on waiting in the wings to get on the field. And I, I love it, though, because, you know, last year – you know the Steelers, and this this is this is where you know Kevin Colbert as as great of a job as he's done, and it's not his fault. You know, some injuries happen, but you know that's 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 a nightmare for you when 
a player gets injured that you rely on, that you're relying on Golson last year, and you really don't have uh, a cornerback that you can bring in that, that that has been groomed and is ready for it. I mean, they can say what they want. There was no way that Antoine Blake was ready for that role last year, and they knew it. And and he would – I mean, I don't want to say he would admit it because no athlete's going to admit it, but, but his job, his role going in, I mean, he thought he would play a little bit more, get a little bit more time at cornerback, but in large, you know, be the special teams gunner and play more – uh, and help out the secondary when needed or in big passing situations, or if a player missed a game or two. I don't think anybody thought, including Antoine Blake, hey, you're going to start 15 games next year when Cortez Allen gets hurt. So, you know, I think the biggest thing that Colbert is thinking, I'm never going to be in this situation again. We're going to go an entire season in today's pass half the NFL and not have a, a stable of cornerbacks I can go to, almost like a you know, like a baseball team that's got a strong bullpen and you can just point to it whenever you want and say, hey, let's go. Let's, I think that's exactly what Colbert's thinking. I want to have the ability to say, oh, okay, uh, William Gates hurt, let me go with my first-round draft pick. My first-round draft pick's hurt, let's go to the guy I just signed to a three-year deal. He's hurt or something else, let's go to the guy we signed second overall in, in, in 2015. So I, I think, you know, that's the big thing. It's just he wants to get to that point where he can just – because, I mean, I think that the thing is um, – the Steelers have gotten by forever, it seems like, without a dominant cornerback. We haven't had a dominant corner since Rod Woodson. I think Colbert understands now, when you look at the difference between uh, Denver and Pittsburgh, I mean, yes, I would argue that, that Pittsburgh in two games last year outplayed Denver, even though Denver beat them. But you look at what Denver did after the Steelers game, they, they, they raised their level of play because of the competition. No knock on us, but, but we were a shell of ourselves in terms of talent-wise, when we got to Denver, you know, we didn't have Marquise Pouncey all year long. We didn't have Le'Veon Bell at that point. We didn't have Antonio Brown. And Denver played as hard as they had to play. But when New England came in the next week, they raised their level of play because of the talent that they have at corner and other positions. And then in the Super Bowl, they raised it to an even higher level. I don't think the Steelers could have raised their level of play any higher than the Denver game. I mean, you take away that fumble, at that point, the Steelers had played a near-perfect game. Sure, the red zone and because they should have scored more touchdowns. But in terms of execution in large, the Steelers played a lights-out game, given the opponent they were facing. But to, to, to win a Super Bowl, you have to have more dynamic players on defense. You know, and, and you've got to have – I mean, you look at Paul Amalu and what he was able to do for the Steelers. We, we need to find an impact player like that. You know, maybe not a, maybe not a Hall of Fame player because, I mean, again, Paul Amalu's are, are rare. I mean, he, he, we, we never saw a player before him or after him. But – you know, we need someone like that. We need a, a dominant player on defense and a cornerback. But one other thing, Scott, I wanted to discuss real quick. No one ever talks about this, but I'm actually worried about our special teams because we lost Terrence Garver and Sean Spence in free agency. So that's one thing I think that, that we should also look out for in this draft is finding guys that might be capable, like willing, you know, to play special teams. You know, I know Shamarco Thomas is going to be back as a gunner because I, I just frankly don't see him – uh, making much of a change there, and you know, I I just leave it at that. I just that's one thing I am a little bit worried about. But let, let's talk about safety a little bit here. Where do you see that shaping out? Like, let's assume that we we draft the safety. Um, do you see them? I, I think there's a much higher chance of a safety that we draft starting early as opposed to cornerback, just because I mean, as it stands right now, Will Allen is still unsigned, so there's always a chance we'll re-sign him. But as of now, Robert Robert uh, Golden is our starting strong safety. So what are your thoughts on that? New trade with Denver uh, to 31 or the 32nd pick. Um, 
I think that's a very good possibility to see safety at that at that point. I don't know if I'll if they would pick at 25 with some of the other players at defensive tackle and corner that may be there. But if those players are gone, I think that's a possibility. Uh, like we talked earlier, you know, whether it's Von Bell or Joseph or Justin Simmons or um, you know getting Dion Bush later, which you know you're talking about the special teams. There's a lot of guys that they could be drafting late that would be helping the special teams. But as for safety, I mean, I think if they move back, you could definitely, definitely see that. Um, uh, there'll be at least two or three very good options still at 32. Um, another name I know that they're not sure if they're, he's going to be a linebacker or safety. I I think he can play safety as Sua Cravens, uh, USC. And you talk about a guy with attitude, and he can cover and plays close to the line. But a lot of teams got them as like a, a you know, a even smaller, shazier type linebacker. I, I still see see him playing safety. But uh, yeah, I think there's options there if if they are to move back. But take them one at 25. Um, I think I think there's defensive tackles there, like you'd mentioned. You know, how often do your defensive tackles do you pick up late rounds? I mean, we're that. Uh, you know, really help you out. You, you look at McCullers, we're still trying to get him in the fold, and I think he was a six-round mm-hmm. pick. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's other options at that 25, but if they move back, I could see it. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it's it's frustrating because you think, God, what if we had nine or eight, you know, eight or nine picks? And that's why with the whole the situation with Brandon Boykin, it's frustrating because that was a, that was a fifth-round pick we would have right now. So, you know that I I can under I you know for a long time I was like why are Steelers fans so upset about the whole Brandon Boykin thing I get it now because that's another draft pick we could have had so I totally get it now why why fans wanted to see him play because it's like why not give him at least a shot we we blew a draft pick so we got less than three minutes on the show Scott so real quick what are your what are your two cents on this whole Tom Brady thing I I you know we said we discussed it so I think we should you know real quick like what are your thoughts on this whole deal Patriots legacy how it's going to be remembered and and, you know, should Steelers fans have an even bigger gripe now about potentially other Super Bowl championships being taken away from them because of what New England did off the field? The whole history, you know, you know, Spygate, you know, some of the questionable players, you know, Hernandez and stuff that they were getting away with. I really think that this all really started after the Ravens playoff game. Um, there were probably rumblings to the league office, like, look at what these guys are doing. Look at what these guys are doing uh, that are willing to win. And after that, uh, the Ravens game, I mean, because the Colts game, the AFC championship was not even, I mean, if the balls were fully flated, deflated, that that wouldn't have mattered in that game at all. But the mm-hmm. Ravens game, they were up by, the Ravens were up by 14 points. And <clears throat> you had two plays where the running back right before the snap says, I'm eligible. You know, so the defense can't make any adjustment. I mean, anything in the rule book that they could find, if it's, if it's even in the rule book, you know, you go all the way back to the tuck rule. You know, there's just all these things that, you know, and I believe after the Ravens game that there was a definite push, not just by the ownership of the Ravens, but it was league-wide about, you know, Nate Solder for the touchdown didn't, I don't believe, had to report eligible on that play. And he, you know, that should have been an illegal play. So I think this was a lot of pressure from all the ownership around the league telling the league, like, look, 
you know, they're, any chance they get, they're, they're, they're bending the rules. Now, you live in Boston, you don't want to hear any of this. You know, you're a Patriots fan, you don't want to hear any of it. But league-wide, I think the league got a, a really good lawyer to the appeals court, and, you know, it is what it is. He's going to get his four games. And, you know, uh, just the history of all of this, starting from the tuck rule on, um, I still think they're a good organization. You know, they're well run. There's just things that it seems like that they have to do or that they're doing that they don't really have to do. You know, they're they're good enough to to compete every year with Brady and what they have. But just some of the the, the play calling and like I said, I'll point back to the key point back to that Ravens game. I really think after that game, that everybody was kind of throwing their hands up and you know Steelers fans sticking up for the Ravens. I mean. You know, that's that's not normally the case. But I, in that case, I would. I mean, those were some plays in that game that, you know, the Ravens were starting to take control of that game, you know. And then there was a few plays that went, didn't go their way. And I think it was after that that a lot of other stuff just kind of unraveled for them. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the Patriots not having Brady for four games is a big deal, obviously. So I think they, he gets to come back against the Browns. So. But yeah, that's- we'll see. You're right. You're right, and we'll face him in week seven. So I got nothing to add. I like what you said, and uh, you know, it's, it's just a shame. It's a shame that we can't uh, we can't just say, hey, they they beat us on the field, and that's enough. Yeah, you know, I I look back at that, uh, you know, 2001 and 2004, and uh, you know, New England did play well in those games. We talked about this off air that you know, 2001, our our special teams let us down in in, in those games. So. And then 2004, uh, I think that's when we both agree that, that that really is hard to shake just because of the fact we were 15-1 and one and had beat New England in the regular season and, and all those elements. So it's a tough pill to swallow, but, you know, it's it's one of those things we'll just never know. And, hey, at least we got Super Bowl rings because there's teams like the Chargers out there that New England beat that never won one. So I guess we'll just count our blessings where we can count them. So, hey, Scott, thanks again for joining our show. You were a big help today. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy the drafts tonight, and we hope that the Steelers draft some of these players that that we hope do well and help the Steelers win that seventh Super Bowl in 2016. So once again, for Scott Allen, this is Brian Yardo signing off. Have a great day. Enjoy the draft, and especially today, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.